I was sinking deep in sin Far from the peaceful shore Very deeply stained within Sinking to rise no more But the master of the sea Heard my despairing cry From the waters lifted me Now safe am I Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Out of my sin Now safe in Him Love lifted me Souls in danger look above Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea. Billows his will obey. He Savior wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me out of my sin. Now safe in Him, love lifted me. All my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I'll cling. In His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits my soul's best songs. Faithful loving service to, to Him belongs. else could help. Love lifted me out of my sin. Now safe in Him, love lifted me. Dead.
of my sin, now safe in Him, love lifted me. Amen. Let's take our Bibles, turn over to the book of John today, John chapter 6, John chapter 6, John chapter 6. John chapter 6, I want to look at verse 35, we'll use that as a springboard to move along in our message and to kind of get things kicked off. John chapter 6, verse 35. The Bible says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for the time that we now have, Lord, to enter into the Word of God and try to glean what we can to be exhorted and to be inspired to be better for you. Lord, we want to live our lives in a way that honors you and brings glory to you. In order to do that, we need to know exactly what you expect of us and what you desire of us, and we need to learn more about you. Well, today we want to do that, and we just pray, dear God, that you would just help us to see you in this picture that you present to us. We love you. We desperately need you. We ask for your leadership. and We just pray that, Father, you'd be glorified in this service. And, Father, we commit it into your hands now and ask that you'd be exalted. Fill me with your spirit, and may I be your mouthpiece. And, Lord, may you be with every listening ear, and may they hear with spiritual ears. We'll thank you. We'll praise you. In Christ's name, amen. Right off the bat, we notice in the early part of the passage, he says, I am the bread of life. I got this in the wrapper because before it's over with, I'm going to probably give this away to somebody. All right? I hate to see a good loaf of bread go to waste. Right? But he says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. In John chapter 6, we're told right off the bat that there's a multitude that were following the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus sees this great multitude, and of course his heart goes out to them, and he ends up feeding them. We know the passage, we have heard the story of the feeding of the 5,000. The immediate response of this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is read in verse 14. It says, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth of that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. It seems that this group of people that had been uh, privy to this miracle, that had been a part of it, that partook of it even, that they recognized the, 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 the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. So much so that they start to ask themselves or begin to murmur amongst themselves and say that, hey, wait a second, This is the prophet that was promised us way back in chapter 18 of Genesis. This is the one like unto Moses. And they started to think, wait a second, maybe, just maybe, if he is indeed that one, then we need to grab or take hold of him and elevate him as our king. 
Jesus perceives what's taking place and he knows it's not yet time for that. And so he departs into a mountain himself alone. The disciples board a ship that's headed to Capernaum. And while on board that ship, there's a great storm that takes place. All of a sudden, they see Jesus walking on the water and they gladly invite him onto the ship. And the moment that Jesus Christ enters into the ship, the ship is on shore now. Realizing that Jesus has gone to Capernaum, those that had been fed the feeding of the 5,000, they board the ships, they board other ships, I should say, and they make a trip to Capernaum as well. They're looking for Jesus now. They're seeking out the Lord. It would seem to us that this was very noble. It would seem that it was a very wise decision, and it was. But we would think that their motivation was pure, and it was right, and it was good. They they just appear to be extremely concerned about and interested in Jesus Christ. But Jesus would expose their true motivation. Now, all of this is happening in chapter 6 of the book of John. So Jesus says, you know what? I know why you followed me. I know why you got on those ships. I know why you took all this time and made all this effort to get to me. And in verse 26, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. He says, I know why you're here. You're not here because of the miracle. You're not here because it has manifested itself in your eyes and manifested me as the Messiah so much. No, you're here really because you want fed. You want some more bread. You want your needs met. That's why you're here right now. You're not here because of your faith in me necessarily or because of your confidence in me as the Savior or as the promised one. No, you're here because you want a meal, a free meal. Jesus was saying, your thoughts rise no higher than your physical needs. You guys can't see past what your need, physical need is. But there's so much more, he says in verse 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat that endureth unto the everlasting life. Now, I don't know about you, but you remember those five loaves and two fishes that, that, we, that we, we didn't really read about it, but we talked about it. It happened only a few days earlier. Apparently, these people, these Jews, did not remember. Because the next statement in verse 30, their next statement was simply this, show us a sign. Show us a sign? And then they go on to remind Jesus about a sign in the Old Testament. They say, hey, wait a second, uh, show us a sign. Oh, by the way, God provided manna in the wilderness for us. Oh, you mean like the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes? I mean, how short is their memory here, right? It's crazy. So Jesus points out that your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. I just want to remind you guys, uh, you, 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 you're, you're pulling this Old Testament scripture. I want you to know that, yeah, indeed, God did do that miracle there, but they're dead. Just want to point that out here. 
that manna sustained life for a day. And, 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 and then they had to go back out and gather it again. And on Saturday, they had to gather it for two days. Why? Because every day they needed something else to eat. Because it did not satisfy, but for one day. But that true bread. The Bible says that true bread is He, which cometh down from heaven and giveth life into the world. And they say in verse 34, give us this bread. Give, 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 give us this bread, Jesus. We want that bread. You say, why are you talking like that? Because it's ridiculous here in just a few moments you recognize and realize that they weren't really asking a very sincere, of, of making a, compare, a sincere statement here. Jesus then lowers the boom and he says, verse 35, we read it already, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. How'd they respond? Well, they started murmuring. And we've seen Israel, they murmured quite often in the wilderness, and now they're murmuring again at the words of Jesus Christ, and they say, wait a minute. They scratch their heads. Wait a minute. Isn't this Joseph's son? This is little Jesus. I mean, we know his mama and his daddy. How can he be from heaven? I've been there before, and I bought some furniture off his daddy. He's little Jesus. I remember him when he was just that tall, running around. This is Jesus and his mom and daddy. I, I know him personally. Hey, listen, how can he be from heaven? He says that he's the bread of life, that he cometh to me, shall never hunger, and, shall, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Wait a second. This is Jesus. Jesus would tell them to stop murmuring and complaining. And then he doubled down on his claim. And in John 6, 47 through 51, if you're in John 6, you can look at it and read it with me. But it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. I don't know about you, but that painted a pretty good picture for me, that last phrase or so. We're talking about a body that's going to be given for the, for the world, for the life of the world. I mean, I don't know about you, but it sure seems like it's pointing a lot to that cross right over there. And if they weren't confused at the, up to this point, they're going to be now. I mean, because I mean, they're going to be more perplexed and they're going to grow more hostile than ever. And he says... And, and, and they, they're getting upset. I mean, are you kidding me? We were already bumming. We already thought, hey, wait a second. You're supposed to be, you're just Jesus. You're, 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 you're the, the, the son of Joseph and Mary. And, and, and we know you're you. You're not from heaven. And then he says, oh, by the way, uh, I'm your only hope. And they say, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And I can understand why they may have said that at first. I, I mean, I, I could, if you're just listening, you came in on the end of the conversation, you might have thought, wait a second, you know, uh, he's the bread of life. Uh, if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And, uh, and that bread I will give of, uh, is my flesh. Oh, wow. Boy, they're confused now more than ever, right? 
They didn't get the fact that the Lord was using a using figurative speech or a figure of speech, if you will. They concluded, honestly, they, they're thinking in their in, in, in their thinking in their mind, he's suggesting cannibalism. I mean, literally gonna eat him? How are we gonna eat him? That doesn't make any sense. But Jesus ignores their mistake and he continues speaking of the bread. And listen to what he says. He just digs in deeper and deeper and deeper. In verse 53, he says, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man. Oh boy, that's feeding right into their misconception. And drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. I don't know about you, but if you just got in on the tail end of that conversation, you're thinking exactly what we just talked about. And as the living Father has sent me, he says, I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. That is that bread which come down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Again, Jesus now is clearly using a figurative, a figure of speech. There's no doubt about that. It's, it's, it's true because we know that there was no time in his earthly ministry, of course, that he went around going, here, take a bite. You know, hey, disciples, come on over here, nibble on an ear. Never happened, right? You know, and no, that didn't happen. So we know he wasn't talking about literally taking his flesh at that point the way he was. I mean, that's not what he's talking about. He's, and, and as you look at the passage, as you look at verse 35, it says here in, in verse 35, He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. That goes with, verses, with verse 51. Look what it says in 51. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Whoso drinketh of my blood hath everlasting life. You say, what do you mean? Well, basically, the coming and believing of verse 35 mean the same thing as the eating and the drinking of verse 51 and 54. And the, the fact is that the same blessings attached to them. He's trying to use a picture now. He's trying to help them understand something very important about himself. But it's, it's talking figuratively. The Jews would have understood that if they would have been familiar with the prophets of the Old Testament. We read in Jeremiah 15, 16, the Bible says, Thy words are, were found, and I did eat them. You ate those words? What, I mean, did you tear a page out and chew it up and swallow it? That's not what he's talking about, right? That's not what he's saying. He says, And thy word was unto me joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I, called by thy, I, I am called by thy name, O Lord God of, of hosts. So Jeremiah says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. Huh. You know what that is? Figurative. In Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 8, But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be thou not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. Talking about the word of God? Huh. You know, we're familiar with doing the same thing, aren't we? For instance, we say things like, He devoured that book. Well, it just means that he read it quickly, right? We say things like, chew on that a while. Well, you, you don't literally mean chew on it, right? You, you, talk, you know, consider that information. Consider that piece of information. Toss it around your mind a while. Chew on that a while. We may say things like, he swallowed that whole lie. Man, he swallowed it whole. What, a lie? You can swallow lies now? No, it's figurative. 
And that's what Jesus is doing. He's speaking in a figurative way. I mean, he is also the door, right? Well, yet, let me knock on you. They'd have knocked on Jesus. They'd have heard what they hear right now. Just knuckles against solid stone steel. No wood door. I mean, he says, he says uh, I'm the Lamb of God. We, we understand what he's getting at. We see he's the light of the world. We, we understand that these titles draw a picture in our minds. Not that he's actually a door, like the door out front or the door here in the auditorium. But he represents a door, and we understand what he means by that. And he paints a picture for us, and we understand more about Jesus by the pictures he painted of himself. Still, many of these Jews could not swallow the truth. They called it a hard saying, right? And then that's how it ends here. They call it a hard saying. And as a result, a number of them, according to the word of God, walked no more with him. I mean, they were after him earlier. Man, they wanted some grub. They wanted some food to eat. They were looking forward to a nice meal. And the fact is, is that even now at this point, he's trying to express to them, hey, listen, it's not the meal you need. It's not that temporal food. You need something eternal. And guess what it is? It's me you need. And I'm trying to paint a picture. I'm the bread of life. You don't just need that temporal bread. You need that eternal bread. And that's what you really need more than anything else. And they said, this is a hard saying. They didn't walk with him anymore. Jesus would then turn to his disciples, and he's going to ask them a very pointed question now. Will ye also go away? All of these that have been following, they've left me, and will you also go away? This is a hard saying, so they say. Is it a hard saying for you? And I got to believe that the disciples were probably thinking, it's pretty hard. We're trying, to, we're trying to assess it. We're trying to understand it. We're trying to make sense of all of it, Lord. But what we do know is that you've never lied to us before. What we do know is that you are indeed the Messiah. What we do know is that you'd never tell us anything that was a lie or wrong. So we don't maybe fully understand it, but we're just going to keep on following you. We're not going anywhere, Jesus. We're with you all the way. We're, we, I mean, where you go, we go. And Jesus said unto them in verse 35, I am the bread of life. And I'll tell you what, this bread right here, when it first comes out of that oven, it smells delicious, don't it? Again, I'd take it out of the package, but then nobody would be able to eat it because I'd have my hands all over it. And I'd probably start to kind of like. But I mean to tell you, I mean, that bread, that smells good coming out of that oven. And it tastes so good when you eat it fresh, right? You know a fresh, just a loaf of bread. I love loaves of bread too, you know. I mean, I like it cut, I like it sliced, and I like it fresh. But boy, I tell you what, when it first comes out of an oven like this, and you can just cut as thick a piece as you want, man, I mean to tell you, you can put some butter on it, just melts in there real good. You can eat it with just butter, or possibly you put some peanut butter on it or something. Man, I'm going to tell you something, I like that. I, I, I tell you what, fresh bread is nothing but good. I like it. But you know what, that fresh bread don't last that long, does it? It don't last long. It grows stale, and it ultimately grows moldy. I can't tell you how many times, uh, you know, especially lately, it seems since the kids have all moved out over the years and stuff, you know, we used to buy all kind of bread and milk and all that stuff, and it just was gone before you could even... 
Snap your finger. And now all of a sudden that loaf of bread may sit in there a while. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gone in there and I've undone that little hook there and I've got that bread out and I started cutting it and I went to put it in a toaster and I went, oh, whoa, 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 what's that? You ever see that, you know, that green hairy stuff on there? I mean, I, I mean, I love bread, and I, but I'll tell you what, it gets stale and it ultimately gets moldy and then it's no good really at that point. I want nothing to do with it at that point. I mean, if I need antibiotics, I'm going to the doctor. I'm not going to eat a piece of bread. Jesus Christ says, listen, that old bread, that bread there right there, that stuff's good stuff. It smells delicious when it comes out of that oven. It tastes good when you eat it fresh, but it don't last that long. But let me tell you something, I'm always fresh, and I'm always the, what the doctor orders. You're never going to get me on a, a time when I'm not fresh, and I'm not ready, and I don't taste good. You take this bread here. He said, it'll satisfy your hunger. No doubt about it. You cut off a slice of that, and you even put it in a toaster if you want. Now, if it's fresh, you don't want to waste that. But after it's set a while, you might say, yeah, it isn't quite as fresh as it was. You still cut a slice off. You throw it in a toaster. Man, I'll tell you what, you load it up with butter. Again, put some peanut butter on it, and I even like to put jelly on top of that. And that stuff just crunches in your mouth, and that peanut butter and jelly mix is just perfect. And I'm telling you what, I love that bread out of that toaster even. That'll satisfy your hunger. You get the stomach growling and you think, man, I don't want to eat a full meal right now. We got a really good one coming up later. I'll just go ahead and have a little bit of bread. Just cold me over. It'll satisfy your hunger. But Jesus says, I'm not just going to satisfy your physical hunger. I'm going to satisfy the hunger of your soul. He said, listen, I'm the bread of life. I'm not just like that old bread that'll turn stale and moldy. I'm not like that bread that'll only temporarily fill your stomach. No, I'm talking about filling your soul. You've got an emptiness. You've got a void in that heart of yours, and I can fill it. Only I can fill it. You can go ahead and buy a new car, and it may last a while, but sooner or later, let me tell you, it'll go by the wayside, and long, long before it goes by the wayside, your checkbook's going to feel it, and you're going to be wishing maybe you didn't buy it. You get that old buyer's remorse. You ever get that buyer's remorse? You bought it, next thing you know, you're like, oh, I feel kind of sick. You ever do that? You say, I never do that. Well, good for you. I do. I do that when I buy a McDonald's cheeseburger these days. Man, as much as that stuff costs, I get buyer's remorse. But I'll tell you what, Jesus says, listen, you can partake of that bread It'll satisfy your bodily hunger, but when you partake of me, I'll satisfy the hunger of your soul. What are you longing for, teenager? What are you longing for, adult? What is it that's inside your heart that you truly need and long for? Because I'll tell you what, you're not going to find it in the world in which we live. You're not going to find it in the things of this life. You only find it in Jesus Christ. He says, well, you know, you partake of this bread. It provides you with life now. Okay, it'll, it'll sustain life 
today. It'll sustain life now. We remember those children of Israel out in the wilderness going there getting that manna every single day. They had to go get more manna. And they lived in that wilderness for 40 years. And again, I tell you, that old bread from heaven worked in that sense. But he says, listen, I'm not like that old bread. I'm going to tell you something. You don't need to eat me every day. You just partake of me and I'll sustain your life eternal. We've got a world that's looking for life. A world that's looking for eternity here on earth. We, we have all kinds of products to make us and keep us young. We got products to try to keep us virile and strong. We got all kinds of things trying to maintain and consistently keep us young in this life. Why? Because there's nothing past the grave in the mind of most people in the world today. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus says, you want to live forever. You would, I'm going to tell you something. You might as well eat some good fresh bread out of an oven, but that's not going to give you eternal life. The only thing that's going to make you last forever and ever and ever is me, the bread of life. He's the only one that can give us eternal life. I'll tell you what, that bread that uh, he spoke about himself, that, that's good stuff. I don't know if you've partaken of Jesus Christ yet. I don't know if you've received and accepted him into your life. I don't know if you've tasted and seen that he is good, but he is indeed good. The Bible tells us that he is. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him, Psalm 34, 8. What a wonderful picture of our Savior, fresh bread. It smells delicious. It tastes so good. It satisfies your hunger. It goes with everything. And when you partake of Christ, who is the bread of life, he's going to satisfy your hunger. He's going to fill your soul. He's going to give you eternal life. And he's going to make everything sweeter. That's how Jesus works. Those Jews, they, they were having a hard time wrapping their mind around it. And can I tell you, they're no different than we are today. Or we, I should say, we're no different than they are. Jesus Christ has made a number of claims in his book, The Word of God. Jesus Christ has said, listen, that bread will satisfy hunger. But my, my, my bread, my bread, me, myself, I'll satisfy your soul. That bread satisfies you for the present, but I'm going to satisfy you everlastingly. And he tells us over and over again, listen, it tastes good until it grows stale and moldy. But let me tell you something, I taste good all the time. And you know what the world says? We'll go our own way and we'll try to find our own way to satisfy our longing in our soul. And so they keep searching, and they keep looking, and they turn over all new stones, and they have all kind of new technologies. And now we've got all kind of different things that we're doing, and even in different countries, trying to find ways to satisfy and to try to meet the needs of our physical needs, our, our emotional needs, our sexual needs, and every other need that there is in the book. And we're turning away from God and His Word, and we're seeking it on our own. We're looking for the bread of this world to satisfy our souls. But friend, no bread in this world will satisfy your soul. Jesus Christ, the bread of life, he's the only one that can do it. Amen. 2,000 years ago, he put himself on Calvary. He put himself on the cross and he laid down his life and he sacrificed his flesh, his body for us. The perfect Savior. He'd never sinned one time. Never had he sinned. And yet he paid the price for sin by dying on Calvary for you and I. During John chapter 6, he, will, he goes on to say, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. 
We're almost done. Stay focused here. The process demands that God the Father draw us to Christ. He has to draw us. And Jesus makes that clear in John 6. He goes on to say also in John 6 that all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And you come to him, he won't cast you out. He'll accept you where you're at, and he'll change you, completely transform you. You'll be a new creature in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. 2,000 years ago, he did all that for you. Literally, Christ, the bread of life, sacrificed his body and was broken for you. You know what you need this morning. You need the bread of life. That's not really the right question, is it? You know who you need this morning. That's the question. You know who you need? Jesus Christ. He is the bread of life. He's the bread of life. Again, he will satisfy your hunger. He'll fill your soul. He'll give you eternal life. He'll make everything better. You know, I read a story of an elderly woman who lived in a nursing home. Mabel was 89 years old. Her face was contorted by cancer. She was blind. She was nearly deaf. Nobody had come to visit her for a number of years. But a young preacher would discover that this woman was a very, very special lady. She grew up the only daughter of a farmer. When her parents died, she was placed in a convalescent home. She lived there for 20 she lived she lived for 25 years with roommates who didn't know who they were, who soiled their beds every day, who screamed out constantly during the night. This young preacher came to visit Mabel, read and 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 he would read her the Bible. Many times he would pause in his reading and she'd recite the rest of the passage from memory. She's very familiar with the scriptures. He told how she never spoke of loneliness or pain, except for times when they'd sing a hymn together and she would put a particular stress on a certain word or maybe a verse. One day when he came to visit Mabel, he asked her a question. Mabel? What do you think about when you lay here all day? She said, well, I think about my Jesus. That preacher thought to himself, sometimes I have trouble thinking about Jesus for just an hour. And Mabel thinks about him all day long. And after a pause, he, he asked her, he said, Mabel, what do you think about Jesus? She said, well, I think about how good he's been to me. He's been awfully good to me in my life. You, you, you know, I, I'm the kind who's mostly satisfied. I mean, lots of folks wouldn't care much about what I think. I mean, lots of folks would think I'm kind of old-fashioned. But you know what? I don't care, preacher. I'd rather have Jesus. He's all the world to me. And then all of a sudden, Mabel began to just 
kind of sing under her breath. Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without him, I would fall. The Reverend Schmidt, who was Mabel's young pastor friend, writes, This is not fiction. As incredible as it may seem, a human being really lived like this. I know, I knew her, he said. How did she do it? You know, don't you? Mabel feasted on the bread of life. The bread that satisfied the hunger of her soul. And can I say today that if you and I live long enough, we may very well be where Mabel was. But you don't have to be elderly and you don't have to be in a nursing home to have a hungry heart for God. I'm sure a number of you sitting in this place today have a soul that longs to be satisfied. But I want you to know that if your soul is hungry this morning, (laughs) Jesus is the bread that you need. And he will fully satisfy your soul. Won't you come to him this morning? I got a loaf of bread here, right? I mean, it, I just bought it this morning. Now, I don't know if it was fresh because I think I got there too early. I don't even think the workers were up early. Maybe it used to be they got up at 4 in the morning and made the fresh bread, right? You'd get it by 6 o'clock, you know, it was good to go. But I don't think they even got into it after 7. Well, they got in, actually. They were there, but they were cleaning up from the night before. So this might actually be day old. But let me tell you what, it still feels good, and I'll tell you what, I'd eat it. I'd eat it. Dominic, come on up here. You want that loaf of bread? If you get it, will you eat it? Or at least give it to somebody and share it with them? Now listen, Dominic's a pretty smart guy. Somebody's offering him a loaf of bread, right? Bread that's going to satisfy his hunger. Bread that's going to taste good. Bread that's going to sustain him in another day of life. That's pretty wise. I wouldn't turn it down. I'm going to give it to you. You wanted it, you can have it. It's free. It's a gift. Enjoy. Hold on. Think about it for a moment. This morning, the bread of life stands before you with his arms open. He says, not only will I satisfy your longing for the day, I'll satisfy it forever. Not only will I give you life today, but I'll give it to you life forever. Not only will I taste good the day that you receive me, but I'll taste good every day after. I'm a one low fits all kind of guy. You receive me and you take me, you got it all. This morning he offers you himself. Will you wisely take him?
Will you receive Christ today as your Savior if you've never done so? Will you as a believer say, you know, my soul is, I have a longing soul. There's something missing. And I know you're the bread of life and you're the only one that can truly meet that need, Lord. And I'm turning to you today. I want to partake of you, the bread of life. Jesus simply said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Father, we come to you. We are grateful for this opportunity we've had to gather here this morning and to just be exposed to the word of God and to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to once again share this message of himself, the bread of life. We ask that, Lord, you'd speak to us. Today in this room, there may be those who are, have a soul that's empty and they need satisfied. Maybe they've never received and accepted Christ into their life as Savior. And I pray, dear God, that you would just show them their great need today, that they'd realize that the solution or the answer is not something temporal, but it's something eternal, and that something is a person, Jesus Christ. He is the bread of life. And only he can satisfy their longing. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder, do you know for sure heaven's your home? Have you settled your soul's salvation? I tell you, there's a void inside of you like there's a void in every human, a human being. And the only one that can fill that void is the bread of life, Jesus Christ. No bread, no food, no, no cars, no things, no, no anything can fill that void. It's temporal. But Jesus Christ is eternal and he will make a difference forever in your life. Won't you come to him as Savior and Lord today? Won't you partake of the bread of life? Today you're without Christ. You're in this place. Do not delay. The music's going to start playing in just a moment. You come. You step out of your seat. You come right down that aisle. You see Mr. Cavanaugh here at the front. And he will have someone take a Bible and show you how to receive Christ, the bread of life, into your life as Savior and Lord. Father, bless now this time of invitation. Work and move in hearts and lives. And Lord, may there not be one person that leaves here without Christ in their life. May they partake of Jesus before they leave. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand. Every head.